This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as we broadcast to you out of Tampa Bay, but all over the country, but especially in our great cities, Tampa Bay, from south of Ocala to north of Fort Myers, all the way over to Disney and all over the first coast to Jacksonville, St. Augustine and Folkestone, Georgia, and now the Hampton Roads area of Virginia on the Lighthouse AM 1010. Martha, we want people to connect with us online for lots of different reasons. Why don't you tell them how? We do. So our website is iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com. And really, Jim, that's the hub for everything. They can get to all of our social media platforms from there, all of our podcast platforms from there, all of the stations that we are played on across the country up the East Coast right now are on there. Um, so, and your face is on there. They oh, can see you. And that's what they're looking for. That's probably not. <laughs> All right, moving right along for that. Check us out online, iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com. We'd love to have you connect with us, interact with us, mm-hmm. give us feedback. We love feedback. Words of affirmation, our number one love language for both of us. So give us some of that. All right, so here we go. Kings and priests. We've all seen medieval times movies surrounding the power struggles between kings and the priests, the religious people. But was that what it was supposed to be like? When you read the Old Testament, there's so much to learn. Have you actually read it? You know, I recommend the one-year chronicle, run-year Bible that's chronological so you can get a better feel for the history of our adopted Jewish family. But I digress. In the Old Testament, there was a perfect balance of worship, teaching, and gathering by the priests and marketplace expansion and support of the ministry by the kings. So how does that translate to today? How is our role in the marketplace supposed to interact with our with the role of the priest slash pastor? Is there supposed to be synergy other than the handing over of money? I think probably. Today's conversation is going to cover so much more than that, but I wanted to introduce you to a ministry out of, I wanted to bring up the subject because I'm fascinated by the concept of kings and priests, and I wanted to introduce you to a brand new ministry that we're, it's not a brand new ministry to the country, but it's a new one here to the I Work For Him audience, and it's out of Atlanta, Georgia. It's touching thousands of people every year. Robert Watkins with Conquer Worldwide joins us today to talk about his business tree and the ministry of kings and priests. You can check it all out online at robertjwatkins.com, robertjwatkins.com. Robert Watkins, welcome to I Work For Him. Yeah, Martha, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, we can't wait for our audience to hear more about Kings and Priests and about what Conquer Worldwide is up to. But before we do, we always ask this question of every first-time guest on I Work For Him. So, Robert, tell our listeners, and for Jim and I, how you came to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Wow, that is a great story. And uh, I was a scared little 17-year-old teenage boy in Detroit, Michigan, and I came home after graduating from high school, and, and my mom asked me, she said, well, what are you going to do with your life? I said, well, I just want to hang out with my friends the rest of my life and get high and ride around, and that was it. Well, I came home at 1 o'clock in the morning the next morning, and I woke up at about 6 o'clock in the morning. It was an Army recruiter in my, in my house. <laughs> Long story short, my mother signed me away to the Army. <laughs> and in basic training, I met a guy by the name of Nick Zancanella. And Nick Zancanella came over to me, and I was acting like a knucklehead on the break. He said, God has something special for you. And stop acting like a fool and stop acting crazy because God wants to use you mightily one day. He led me to the Lord in the United States Army in basic training, 17-year-old, and I've never looked back since. Wow. And that's how I came to the Lord. 
and uh, saved my life. So, Nick, have you ever gone back to Nick 20 years later to tell him about the impact that he made on your life and now that's made the impact on thousands and thousands of people? It was actually 30 years ago, and I've been looking for Nick Cincanella ever since that time. I'm an African-American gentleman. He's Italian. All I, all I know, he was somewhere, and I remember Oklahoma. I cannot find him. If I find wow. him, I will give him the biggest hug ever, big, so a big offering to his life, and just tell him, thank you for the sacrifice you've made for the kingdom of God, because his seed is still working today. Amen. Yeah, he needs to know. He needs to know. So you've tried to find him on LinkedIn. you tried to find him on Facebook. Can't find him? I've been looking for him for 30 years. That's right. <laughs> our listeners in Oklahoma. Let's try to find Nick Zancanella. You know, that is a challenge with having military because you don't know where, what directions people went in. Um, but I just want to honor his obedience in yeah. speaking truth into you to being sensitive to what God was telling him. And he shared that with you. That's a great story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your, your website. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And and 30 years ago for him to be that bold, love that. Fantastic, yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. All right, your website mentions you've got somewhat of a rags-to-riches kind of story. You want to share that? Well, I've never met my birth mother before, never met my birth father. I have no idea who they are. And uh, I was born into a downtown Detroit orphanage in 1964. And I was given over, I was a ward of the state. And the only difference between me and, and, and those who didn't make it out really was, was God. And so I really had a lot of insecurity, a lot of inadequacy in my life as, as a man and as a boy growing up thinking my own mama didn't want me, my own daddy didn't want me. And, and so I spent a lot of time really just trying to get over who I was. And even after I came to Christ, I still had some issues in my life. And, and so grew up kind of uh, without a lot of things in my life. And so, but God has richly blessed me through and through this ministry. It's amazing God's called me to minister to business leaders and to CEOs and millionaires and, and those that are called to the marketplace. It's amazing because I am the least likely person ever to do this call. I am the least likely person to write a book, least likely person to speak to hundreds of thousands of people every year. I am the least likely person because of where I was from. But then I saw another guy who went through the same thing. His name was Moses. And he was adopted like I was adopted, and God called him to go back to the very place where he came from. So I saw a lot of parallels, and he was a deliverer of people, and God called me to be a deliverer, deliverer of financial lack. And so that's where I saw my life, and because of that, God has now blessed me with literally 17,000 men in, in our ministry. He's blessed us with buildings. He's blessed us with uh, just anointing and wisdom and favor. And so this, this rags to riches story uh, is still being written, but we're helping to raise up millionaires and billionaires in the body of Christ every mm. single day. And we need those people, but we need them to be trained that all that money that they're making is not just for them, don't we? Well, it's money with a mission. Right. right. And business as a mission. Your business is your ministry. That's what we teach. And Jim and Martha, I know you've heard this before, but it's absolutely true. These are marketplace ministers, marketplace evangelists. It's really who we're raising up. And so all of our teaching, all of my books and training and curriculum material is to do just that. But it's more than just the teaching and the training. At the end of the day, these people need money. And so we capitalize businesses so they can become uh, givers to mission work. That's how it works. The king sowing into the life of the priest 
those that are called to ministry and the priest blessing the king to go out and do even more. So we started a financial company and we've, we started restaurants and bed and breakfasts and um, last year alone, 2018, uh, we've launched over 150 brand new real estate investors, people who are skilled now in residential um, uh, real estate and commercial real estate. And we did something around $6.7 million in investable income to those that are called to the marketplace to start a business, hire someone, and then bring those spoils back to the local church to do more missions work. And that's what we've been called to do, and it's great. So let's step back for a second, back into those years. So you, you, you go into the Army because your mom decided that she didn't want you just hanging out with your friends and, and getting high. You get out of the Army. At what point in time did you recognize that connection between your faith and your work? Well, I was, uh, I was pleasured enough to go to college, and somehow I got in, and somehow I graduated and went back to B school. And, and somehow I, I got a job. Um, in sales and, and marketing, and uh, was was pretty successful there. And but even though I had a great salary and I had a, a big house and cars, I still wasn't happy. I still wasn't fulfilled. There was a itching. There was a calling, something greater. And I saw my life being all about money. And, and what I discovered, I had a spirit of financial lust on my life, and spending and and money just became an obsession with me. And it was going to kill me. I saw myself lying dead in a big house with a car. And I said, I can't be my life. We're talking with Robert Watkins. He's got a, he's got a business tree called ConquerWorldwide.com, a ministry called Kings and Priests Unlimited, kpunlimited.org. You can find all of that on his website, robertjwatkins.com. So one of the things, Robert, and I do want to encourage our listeners to go to that website because, my goodness, you have a lot of great information there and you are doing many, many things. And it's great that all they have to do is remember your name and they can find the website. So robertjwatkins.com. So right before the break, Jim asked you the question as far as how you you know, made the connection between your faith and your work. And you were you it sounded like you were headed down a very successful path, but you were not satisfied. Pick up that story. No. Tell Tell us what was going on in your life. Well, I was in financial lust, and although I was making a lot of money, I was spending a lot of money. Money became an obsession with me, and, mm-hmm. and I saw myself dying, and I was in financial lust. And it wasn't until I had to push the pause button in my life and began to see God, began to pray in the fast. When I discovered in the Bible there were more than 2,350 verses in the Bible on how to handle money, how to buy real estate, how to, how to grow it, how to start a business, how to, how to leave it for the next generation. But it was only 500 verses on prayer, faith, and hell combined, but more than 2,350 scriptures in the Bible on money. And so I said, wow, I'm doing life wrong. And I said, Lord, I repent. And I had to turn from my wicked ways of chasing money and chasing the art of the deal and chasing people and, and trying to be this mega millionaire guy who was nothing more than a prideful, braggadocious person who was using God as a, as a, as a pimp, basically. Hmm. And I said, Lord, I repent. And when I did that, the, the, the anointing of a king and a priest, I believe, came on me. And I, that's where I started teaching on money and business, and prosperity, and helping people get out of debt. But more so than that, 
and I saw people literally coming, my meetings coming out of poverty, being snatched out of poverty and coming into a place what I call God's perfect will for their life. And uh, so that's, if I would have continued in that financial lust where I was stingy, and I wasn't a giver. I was making a lot of money. I was going to church, but I wasn't giving. I was making a living, but I wasn't giving. And that's why I wasn't really blessed. That's why I had uh, a fake, phony persona that was religious. I would go to church and smile and hug people and act like everything was okay. And on, and on the inside was a, a little boy that was scared and uh, stingy, and God couldn't use him in that state. So and so you, I got you, free from, uh, from by seeking God. Amen. Yeah. So how then are you translating that when you are sharing your story and you're sharing with other people how to get out of poverty, how to create, um, you know, financial gain? How do you help them to not end up the same place you were with committing financial lust? Well, what I'm about to say is a little controversial, but poverty begins with a mindset. If you have the mindset, you can have money and have a poverty mindset, and your life is going to be out of balance. It's going to be out of whack. Or you cannot have money and think that God wants you to remain poor. Well, you can't be a blessing unless you're a blessing. I'm not saying you need money to be a blessing, but you need things so that you can give away things. You know, Jesus said it very clearly. He said, you know, things, natural things go with natural things, spiritual things go with spiritual things. And when in many cases before Jesus preached, he fed them. He, he did something in the natural. He healed them. And then he preached the gospel to them. And so sometimes we have this thing kind of backwards. So that's why I like to say, what has God called you to do? What is your purpose? You, is church, more, church is more than you just going and sitting in the pew and, and, and saying amen in the right places. What has God called you to do? And in many cases, those people who may not have a lot of money, have a lot of things, or are in debt, or they have a big house, and they're living month to month, and they're afraid of, of missing a car payment or a house payment. But when we get over to God's perfect will, we say, listen, we can help you. We can finance you. We can finance your company. We can finance your media company. We can finance the hotel you want. We can finance the real estate company you want. But listen, you need to be obedient to God. Because when God blesses you, you need to bring those spoils right back into, uh, into the, the, the ministry so we can do more work for Jesus Christ. And that is the order that we, we've been called to do. So, so, Robert, that call on your life, I mean, d- just to find, when, when you realize this is what God, God is calling Robert J. Watkins to do, spell it out. I'm sold out to it. You know, in Proverbs 10, 22 says that the blessing of the Lord makes us rich and adds no sorrow to it. He wasn't talking about um, uh, rich, spiritually rich. David was talking about, you know, he was talking about things happening in the natural. And then Jesus gave us the, the, a financial seminar in Luke chapter 16 and 11 when he asked a really bold question. And he said, if you have not been faithful with money, who can commit to your trust the true riches? Well, the true riches there is not a house or a car or money. The true riches are things like peace and, and love and understanding and wisdom and getting your prayers answered. Those are the true riches, but he uses money as an asset test to see what's really in your heart. So God wants you to have money, just doesn't want money to have you. And so right. money is not a financial issue. It's a spiritual issue because God wants you to understand 
what's in your heart. And when God blesses you, see, God couldn't bless me with a million dollars 10 years ago because I would have bought everybody a house, everybody a car. I've been broke by Friday. Now God blesses me as a distribution center so I can, whatever God gives me, I have to give it away. Well, and that understanding that principle that, that the wealth that you, that the increase that you get is not to increase your status of living, but to increase that status of giving. But to understand that, as you said, 2,350 verses in the Bible on money and possessions, sounds like you were a crown financial ministry guy because you threw that number out there. Like, is that a crown? Did you go through crown? I love Larry uh, uh, Burkett and um, (laughs) I love his teaching. I'm a big fan of his. And, um, I'm so glad he left us the legacy. I'm definitely a part of his legacy for sure. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and we are as well. Ch- transformed our marriage after 13 years. The last 20 years have been totally different because of Crown. Amen. All right. So Amen. talk to us about the business tree that you call Conquer Worldwide. Well, Conquer Worldwide is the, is the financial arm of what we do. And what we realize that people who want to be in business but uh, they know they didn't have a lot of business experience, and nobody likes to deal with startups. When even you go to Shark Tank, first thing Mister Wonderful asks you is, "Well, how many units did you sell last year?" And if you said zero, he doesn't want to talk to you. So I used to teach business in Emory University, and students would come through my class, and uh, they would graduate, and then they would call me, "Doctor Watkins, I need money," <laughs> right? And then I would go on the churches, and I would do the same thing, and then people would say, "Hey, I want to start something, but I don't have any money." So we started this financial company to conquer worldwide, and it's to do just that. But we realized that people don't have a business plan, don't have a marketing study, uh, they don't have a team, uh, they don't have a social media strategy, and, so, and they have bad credit in, in some cases, so the banks won't talk to them, Shark Tank won't talk to them, they don't, there's nobody in their life that will give them $20,000 or $50,000, there's no mentor there. So we became all of those things for the people of God in these churches. And what I discovered is, is that uh, even in the, in the African-American church, I'll just start there for a second, there's more than $19 billion that is given to, to black churches every year. But the reason why we don't fill it is because they're in $30 billion in debt. Mm. So we don't have an income problem. We have a management problem. So we ask people to go through our Kings and Priests program, and once they do go through that, that training, then we have raised their credit score. And then we can finance them up to $150,000, and they can use that money however they want, um, at, according to a business plan that we help write for them. But it's their money. And you just so mentioned that has been a great program. Uh, I, I will get back to more and more what you're doing, but what you just brought up at the point with the church, because it, it is just the same in any of the churches nationwide, regardless of what color of skin of the people that go there, it, is that the church has a debt problem. Because mm-hmm. they they keep building more and more buildings instead of doing the ministry, and they yeah. and they just it's incredible the, the amount of debt in the church, and and, and they they can't do the things they're called to do because they're so worried about making monthly payments, which is the same thing when it translates to us as Christ followers. If we overcommit and we have too much debt, it keeps us from doing the things that God is asking us mm-hmm. to do. Well, if you look at it in the natural, and hear me in the natural just for a moment, and we'll get back spiritual. Sowing money into a church is not a good return on investment. <laughs> it's not. When it comes to the number of souls and it comes to the impact, because we have to define success as one thing, souls. Right. I get it. And so that is, that is how we define success. So we have to be, become better stewards, ministry leaders, me being one of them. Have, we have to be better stewards in what we're doing with the money. 
and how that equates to winning people for the Lord. And right now, I don't really think we're winning. Other religions are, are bringing in other uh, people uh, much faster than Christians worldwide. That is so true. So we've got some work to do. We're excited, Robert, about the conversation of how you are grabbing Christ followers, people who love Jesus, but they don't really know how to handle money. They don't really know how to set up a business plan. They don't really know how to run a business, but they've got an entrepreneurial spirit burning within them. They've got a great idea, and you're taking those people and you're molding them into the kingdom. What does that look like? Well, we're we're shaping and molding and training. We do it virtually. Uh, One of my best-selling books is called Never Chase a Paycheck Again, and we have a Never Chase a Paycheck Again system. So if they go to neverchasetopaycheckagain.com, they'll see the system there. And most people don't have a whole year to get trained in business. So we teach it all in an hour and a half. And then we really break down their business, break down their idea into what they need. Some need a business plan, some need a marketing strategy, some need a team. I have lawyers that work for me full-time. I have CPAs that work for me full-time, accountants, bookkeepers. And so I have some very smart kingdom professionals that will surround the person or the family who has an idea. And if they want to start a dollar store, we can help them do that, regardless of where they are in the country. If they want to open up a restaurant, we know how to do that. We've done it before, many, many times before. So whatever God has called them to do in whatever uh, sector of business, regardless of the industry, we have the experience. So we train them, uh, plan them, finance them, and deploy them. And uh, that's our model. As part of that training, though, are they getting spiritual training, too? I mean, I, I hear a lot of business training, but how are, how is the discipleship as part of all that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everything is based on the Word of God. And um, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then we don't get involved in it. So I wrote a book called How to Hear from God, and so that's one of the training modules that we give people, how to hear from God. We don't need good ideas. We need God ideas. And so once someone hears from God, that's where we start. That's the first question we ask them, even before they start the training, is this from God? Did you hear from God? Because things are going to get tough in business. Business is a very hard place to occupy. The devil fights you every tooth and nail because that equals freedom from somebody else. And so we want to make sure that you've heard from God. So when things get tough, you can go back to that word and hold on to it. When things get tough, when you're sitting there by yourself trying to figure out how you're going to keep the lights on, you can say, Lord, you called me to this thing, so if it's your will, then it's your bill. Right? Oh, right. Now it's God's cool. responsibility to make sure we have what we need. That's excellent. So, you know, it's kind of funny because I was actually thinking the very opposite of what what Jim just asked you. You know, how how are you fitting the, the biblical principles into there? But one of the things I was really impressed when I looked on your website is the fact that you are attacking very practical applications and helping people, whether it's a business plan, um, how to buy an insurance company, how to sell a business, how to, you know, you're getting into the nitty gritty of that. What kinds of things are you seeing as a result of people having gone through some of your um, opportunities? Well, very briefly, there's a, a lady, her name is Luberta. She came to our ministry. She was 74 years old. She wanted to start in bed at breakfast. She outlived two husbands, and her three sons was telling her to, to go and retire, sit down someplace. Her grandchildren were saying, Grandma, go sit down someplace. But she had a, a burning desire to open a, a bed and breakfast. Long story short, we got her $127,000, and 
she went out and she found a facility. She used that money, put it down as a, as a down payment on that facility. She opened up her bed and breakfast. And now the three sons who told her to go sit down someplace now work for her full time. <laughs> and so now she, she has pastors and her first wives. They come and, and she gets up and she's 76 years old now. And she makes breakfast and she serves those pastors and she serves their first lady. And, and it's a wonderful thing. And she has six people that work for her full time. See, it's never too late. This is one of Luberta now has a bed and breakfast called Serenity Point Bed and Breakfast in Fairborn, Georgia. We have another young lady. Uh, she wanted to open up a, an event planning service, and uh, nobody was hiring her. So we was able to do the same thing. We planned a social media strategy, gave her a business plan, and found the secret ingredient what made hers different. And so now she's busier than all get out. She's got five people that work for her right now. So we believe the best way to change a family's life is give that man and that family a job. So and that's do you guys doing. operate like a venture capitalist, or, or how? what's your... I mean, a lot of lots of times you have conversations with people like this. People that are listening, going, "Okay, but what's in it for Robert J. Watkins and Conquer Worldwide? Why are you helping these people?" Well, number one, because God called us to do it. Number two, financially speaking, we don't take any money, any equity in their business. I don't own any any equity in Liberta's Bed and Breakfast. Um, we do it because God's called us to do it. But we make money. We make money on the money. So sometimes it is venture capital. Sometimes it's um, it's debt capital. Sometimes uh, it's a simple investment. Um, sometimes we invest money. It just depends on where they are in life. Now, most people have not handled $50,000 all at one time. So we need that person to really get trained in giving and saving and investing and, and following the plan. And we have to meet with that person uh, perhaps once a month in a board meeting. They come into our office. And so so there may, be, there may be another level of accountability that that person needs. So we get paid when money um, is uh, invested. And so we make a fee uh, once money comes into their corporation. And that's how we get paid. And yeah. we are consultants as well. And sometimes people come back to us and say, well, we need you and your team to stick around to be on my board to make sure that things don't go south. And we right. get paid for that as well. Right. And so, you know, that's one of the things a lot of people get afraid. They think like, if you're going to do these things and help people, well, then it must be that you, you know, just philanthropically are able to do it. But it's actually a good business model for you as well, because God's given you the ability to see a deal and to see how to work that out. And not all of us have that ability, but yet we have a a burning passion and a desire. One of the things that I wanted to point out is the fact that you mentioned several different situations already where not only did someone go after what God had put on their heart and you were able to help them and they're now thriving, they're also employing other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, how does that play a role? Because you're actually um, helping more with the whole, you know, um, getting uh, staying away from poverty. Well, and you said on your website, Robert, it says on a, that you're on a mission to create 20 million jobs by resourcing two two million new entrepreneurs in 200 cities. That's huge. Yeah. That, that's a yeah. big dream. It is a big dream, and at the end of, of what we do, it's discipleship. That's all that this is. It's going out into the world and and making disciples of men and women. That's what we're doing. And we're just doing it using marketplace vernacular and language 
that people used and that people can understand. But this is evangelism for us. I'm on mm-hmm. a, I'm, I'm called to be in the office of an evangelist. And so I'm not in a pulpit on Sunday mornings, per se. I'm out in the marketplace. I'm out in the business community where Jesus was when he met the rich young ruler. And he, and he was able to meet the young, rich young ruler because Jesus understood business. His father was an entrepreneur. So he was able to relate. And so, but the, the pastor could maybe could not get to the rich young ruler, but Jesus did. So I see myself as that and being able to change lives, affect lives, affect futures, and bring Christ into a conversation, because I am in the boardroom. I am dealing with investment bankers. I am dealing with local banks and regional banks and national banks. I am dealing with, with business people, and they have big struggles every day, and they're trying to figure out life. Even those that are listening to me right now are trying to figure out how to keep the lights on and keep their status going and keep their wife happy and, and keep the car running and keep the kids in college. That's a lot for that entrepreneur until somebody like me walks in and says, you know what? It's going to be okay. Let's deal with your business first and then let's deal with your spiritual and then things happen. So talk to us then. So your, your business tree, Conquer Worldwide really led to this ministry called Kings and Priests where you have conferences. You just have one in December. You've got one coming up here on March the 19th. Talk to us about this ministry called Kings and Priests. Well, Kings and Priests, we started off as just a men's only uh, fellowship with, with eight people. In our last national conference, we had Bishop T.D. Jakes there. We had over 9,000 people in the, uh, um, here in, at the Georgia International Conference Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, but you know, even though we have large crowds, we started breaking it down into smaller regional meetings because you can't disciple in front of 9,000 people. Right. And so... We said, you know what, I need to come off the stage and get in the faces of men first and really understand who they are, what they called to do, and what they need, and really be that disciple that God called me to be as the leader here. And so we have these smaller meetings. I just came from Chicago, um, was in Indianapolis, and we've got a meeting coming up on March the 19th in Atlanta. And um, now these are for men only, and but for the women, we got something for you as well. But March 19th, it's an intimate setting. We have about 200 men. Uh, that typically come, and um, that's kind of where we start. And we get into each person's business as it relates to what God's called them to do, and, and we try to provide as much resources as possible to make their lives a little bit easier and ultimately keep their families together, and they can pay it for it to ultimately hire somebody else. So tell me how what it is that you have for women, because I was I was asking a question because your your practical advice or um, examples that you gave us were about a couple of women that had made a difference. So how are how are you helping the women, or what are you doing for them as well? Well, women is, are the fastest growing segment of entrepreneurs. They're the fastest growing in every area, politically, uh, entrepreneurially, uh, and in ministry now. And so for the women, we have something called Women Unleashed. And that is a, a, a conference as well, and we keep it um, to 100 women. The last one we had was last year. We did that at the Ritz-Carlton. We do those twice a year. Uh, the next one is June the 22nd in Atlanta at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, and we'll get you some information on that. And we have women mentoring women, and uh, it's a great thing. But women have different issues. Most of the complaints that we've heard, not complaints, but issues that they don't have a lot of support, right? If the husband doesn't support them or their family doesn't support them, what do you do when you have two or three kids at home and, and, um, and you have this incredible vision to own a cupcake company or 
uh, a sewing company or a cake company. What, what do you do when God calls you to the marketplace, but you have very little money and virtually no support? Those are the type of women that, that come, and they're educated, they're fired up, and you know what? They move a whole lot faster than the men do. That is for sure. <laughs> if you have the call, well, Robert, why don't you just talk about it? We, we talked about it offline while we're on the break. People, I mean, there's this whole idea of calling within the kingdom. And a lot of people, including myself, part of my story is that both Martha and I committed our lives to full-time Christian ministry as as 13-year-olds on July the 13th, 1979. And we thought that meant we were going to be pastors or missionaries. We didn't even know each other yet. But that wasn't the case. We were both entrepreneurs. We both had an entrepreneurial spirit. There's no such thing as a second-class calling in the kingdom, is there? No, absolutely not. And a lot of, especially men, who who say, you know what, I'm not a pastor, so I must be a second-class citizen. I must not be successful in God's eyes because I don't have the gift of preaching. I don't have the gift of a pastor. I don't. I'm not an orator. Well, you have a calling to the marketplace, which is just as valuable as those that are called to the pulpit ministry. As a matter of fact, I will go on record by saying, in many cases, the king ministry. The marketplace ministry is absolutely can be more valuable than a pulpit ministry because you're touching touching far more people uh, personally, and then then a person who is standing in one spot every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And so, well, we have to work together. So, I would say to those that are listening, to say, you know what, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a great orator, I, I don't know how to put together a sermon. I say, good for you, <laughs> because that means that you have been called to something probably even greater than the ability to put together a sermon and make people say amen. You have the ability to go out and start something great and touch far more people, people in many different races, in many different cultures, in different languages. And guess what? You can represent Christ in that area and have complete authority and people can get saved and delivered and set free in your business who might not, might not ever come to church. You know, and I, I believe that so much to be true. And it's often when we are in business, we have something to offer that people need. And so they come to us because we're filling a need. But while doing it, how are we attracting them? How are we conversing with them? How are we treating them? And how are we doing that in a way that is a, a reflection of Jesus Christ? And that's the opportunity that we get when people come to us for whatever need we're fulfilling. And I think that our listeners need to be reminded of that because it can feel sometimes very mundane. You know, I I got my cell phone fixed today and I went into the (laughs) place and the guy, he, he could do something I couldn't do. And so I was dependent upon him, but he treated me so well. And, and that is that opportunity for that relationship. You may not have any other time. And I, I just, I was so aware of that today. Robert, we often say on this show that the job that you hold, the work that you do, the people that you work with, none of that is by chance. The people that you work with, they need to meet Jesus, and you may be their only Mm -hmm. chance. Absolutely. All of the marketplace principles that the world has used uh, to prosper their businesses comes from the Bible. What you just described, Martha, was someone showing the love of God through their work. I mean, how wonderful is that? And here you are talking about it on the radio right now. How impactful is that? So that's customer service. But if you operate in the love of God, customer service becomes automatic. And so these are principles 
that the world has used without Christ. But how much more can we have Christ and use these principles to prosper our lives and bring people into the kingdom? It's so true. Give us some more stories. You had some great stories in the in the third segment of the show today of people that have gone through your program that have been trained through the, the business tree of Conquer Worldwide, have been impacted by a Kings and Priests uh, conference, which like you got one coming up for men on March the 19th in Atlanta and one coming up for women on June 22nd in Atlanta. Talk about, give us a couple more success stories of people that you have helped uh, release them and give them freedom from poverty and have taught them how to handle handle and be a good steward of what God has entrusted them with. Sure, very briefly, Don Jacobs is a guy who said, man, I've been called to help people to start uh, to get involved in real estate. Well, he didn't own any real estate himself. I said, well, well let's get you straight. Let's get you, you know, going, and let's get you owning some real estate before you go out and start talking to other people about it. And, and that's what he did. He had a really bad uh, credit score, so he came through our program. He went from a 610 credit score to a 690 credit score. Once people get to a 690, we can finance them up to 150000 So we got him $100,000, and he bought his first property, and he flipped it, and he made about $30,000. Long story short, he owns 40 properties right now as we speak. Wow. And he's doing, going into churches, and he's teaching people how to go from nothing to something through real estate, how to build wealth through real estate. And um, <clears throat> last year... Um, it was somewhere around $3 million or so uh, that uh, through his ministry that he was able to help other people get involved in owning real estate. Now, that is building wealth. Wealth is a God word. Uh, that is one person that we have. We have another person. And, hang on. I want to ask, you a, question. I ask yeah. you a question about Don. So as you have trained him and you've got so much experience and you lived through all of this through the Great Recession, which impacted different areas of yeah. the country in different ways, mm-hmm. but real estate and mortgages were ways that were hit the hardest. How have you yeah. trained Don to make sure that if there's ever another check in the economy, that Don doesn't lose all 40 homes? What have you done to help him be better to, able to handle uh, another recession? Well, uh, savvy real estate investors understand a downturn in the market is an opportunity for those who are in position to take advantage of the market. So, for example, if your house is worth $300,000 right now, and this very well could happen in the next four to five years, your house may only be worth $100,000. So right now, today, is not the time to spend money. Right now, the time is to save money. Right now, the time is to, is to invest, but not to spend frivolously. Because one day, that $300,000 house is going to be worth 100000 So if you're in a position to get the $100,000 house, to buy it, the 300000 that is now worth 100000 and you can hold on to it, For another two or three years, it will bounce back. And the $100,000 that you invested is going to be worth $300,000 again in a few years thereafter. That's how you build wealth. And that's how you protect against losing this time when a lot of people foreclosed and a lot of people lost houses and cars and securities and retirements went down because people were not protected with wealth. And so you have to understand the seasons that we live in and understanding when is the time to invest and when is the time not to invest and when is the time to sell and when is the time to spend. And so that's how we've been able to train people in the seasons of investing, the seasons of money, we call it, to know when to to fold and when to hold, as uh, Kenny Rogers always said. (laughs) 
<laughs> got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. Over. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Okay. There you All go. All right. You're wet. You know, and I, and I love that. And I love that explanation because it's so true. We need to be wise stewards. And Jesus, Jesus gave, had lots of examples, lots of parables about wise stewards. You know, the guy yeah. that got five talents, guy that got two talents. How did they double their money? With wisdom. The, the only guy that lost was the guy that buried his money in a hole. All right. Your website says that since 2001, Kings and Priests has impacted over 700,000 men from every walk of life, applying the word of God to every area of, their, of our lives. Kings and Priests is leading marketplace ministry for professionals, entrepreneurs, pastors, business owners, and visionaries. My question to you is, what are you doing differently that sets your ministry apart from the typical marketplace ministry business roundtable? Well, uh, I think what makes us different is that we're actually starting businesses. Now, I know there's a lot of ministries out there where some that focus on just stay in your job and be the best janitor that you can be. And we say that's fine. And then there's some that, that just give spiritual principles. But what I found is that a vision by itself can't pay any bills, right? And that if, so we've got to bring it out of the spirit into the natural so that we can benefit from it. So what makes us different is transitioning people from just having an idea of just having a state of mind into actually manifesting something. We want to walk inside of your vision, whether it's what is it, a bakery or a manufacturing plant, but we want to walk inside of your vision to where we can say there it is. And we believe that is the glory of God. And so we're after manifestation, not just waiting on miracles, not just coming together for the sake of fellowship, but we want to show the world that we are kings and priests and we have the fruit of it. And when and, you say um, manifestation, yeah. there's a word that's five syllables. Not everybody understands that. What do you mean? That means you can go and see it. <laughs> I can touch it. I can feel it. I can benefit from it. And it will start it off as, a, as something that came from God, and now it's here in the earth. We want people to be able to touch the Ark of the Covenant. There is the presence of God. And, and I can touch the Ark. I can experience it. I can see it. And it's something that I can give to my children and children's children. Oh, and if you could so pass on a legacy, you pass on yeah. a legacy of freedom from poverty and pass on a legacy of, of a work ethic and a business that can be transferred from generation to generation and ideas. Wow, it's powerful. Robert J. Watkins, we're out of time, but I want to say thank you. Thank you for introducing the I Work Room audience to the Ministry of Kings and Priests and the Business of Conquer Worldwide. You've put a new resource in our pocket and we're grateful. We want to hear more. I want to I want to arrange some time where we can come be at one of your conferences and catch some of the stories. Robert J. Watkins, thank you for being on I Work Room today. It was my absolute pleasure. Let's do it again. All right, robertjwatkins.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.